Bobby Hurley up the floor with Leitner. They throw it to the left of the floor. Leitner catches, comes down, dribbles, shoots, your college basketball podcast. I am Russell Hainline, joined this week from the Fire Starter crew. We've got K-Bad. How's it going, KB? Going pretty good, man. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. I, look, I'm, I'm just happy to be on something that is not Skype. Yes. Yes, indeed. Skype is, Skype is dead to me. It is so dead to dead. me as well. I was so pissed I, off I, that I actually remembered I hadn't been on this thing in a while. And, of course, when I logged in, like, they completely redesigned the app. And I was like, well, let's see how long this is going to take for me to remember, my, like, username, Pat. Like, it's just, it's way too much. There's incompatibility issues with other people that I know. It's just a great idea, but just awful execution. Yeah. I mean, I I had some trouble with the other podcast, The Long and Late Movie Show, just, just logging in. Just logging yeah. in is a yep. nightmare. Yep. Much like anything else. Anyway, mm-hmm. this is not 2.1 seconds to Skype madness, but Lord knows <laughs> there's plenty of Skype madness on this side of the table, at least. Uh, man, O'Day. All right, so a new year, uh, some good basketball, uh, especially last weekend. Let's just dive right in, get to the show. Our all-week first-team selections. KB, let's start with you. Who is your first player on your all-week first team? Uh, not surprising. Oklahoma guard Trey Young, thirty-nine points, fourteen assists, and four rebounds in the Sooners' ninety to eighty-nine win over TCU. What What do we think about Trey Young, KB? Man, uh, I never saw the kid play in high school. Uh, the only time uh, I ever saw him play before he got to Oklahoma, I mean, aside from you know, you know, ball his life mixtapes and things like that, an actual game setting was in the uh, I think it was in McDonald's All American game, I believe. And he looked okay. Right. You know, and, you know, if you look at, look like Rivals 24-7, he was a top, like a consensus top five point guard, but not the best point guard in the class. Like, I think uh, it's safe to say 60 of him. Duvall was definitely above. Right. Um, Maybe Hands out of uh, UCLA, maybe. But, like, he wasn't the number one guy on anybody's list. Or even a number two guy on anybody's list. And, um, yeah, he's the best. (laughs) I don't think there's uh, any argument. Sexton is a very talented player. Duvall is going to be really good. But, um, yeah, man. Uh, Yeah, yeah, it's not really a whole lot that, you know, you can really say about this kid hasn't already been said, man. He's been fucking fantastic. Yeah, he and uh, on the RSCI rankings, he came in uh, tied at 20th. Uh, Jalen Hans is 22nd, Quade Green 23rd. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, th- did did anybody think he would be a, uh, like an actual one and done coming into the season? Absolutely not. Okay, good. I'm just making sure that I'm I'm on the same page here. Now, he's obviously been sensational. We're not going to take anything away. I'm not trying to take anything away. Um, I have to wonder whether this is sustainable, especially considering just uh, the volume that he has to produce every night, right? every single night. Mm-hmm. Uh, incredible volume. Um you know, in terms of just points created, I think I saw a stat that between his points and then the points that his assists create, that he, at this point in the season, is matching a number that only, like, Pete Maravich in the history of college basketball has ever matched. You know, uh, is that sustainable? I don't know. Uh, is Oklahoma, you know, uh, for real like that? When when it's so reliant on him, I don't know. Um, I don't have the answer to that. 
I, I just find myself getting torn. I, I was talking with uh, you know our buddy Mark about Trey Young a lot uh, because you know uh, as Duke fans, and especially when Duvall was struggling a little bit, we we were sort of you know cursing and spitting and kicking dirt about you know some of the other point guards who've really been showing out so far this season. Uh, not that we have any complaints, mind you, but just because Young has been so sensational. Um, and, and the fact that he was not a one-and-done prospect coming into the season at all, and he's so high volume, and, you know, as a pro, I mean, I feel like, I, I, what, what do you think he projects as a pro? How do you think he projects as a pro? Because that's where I really struggle, KB. That's where well, – because I've it, seen him at, like, top three in some mocks. And to me, I've seen him above Sexton in some mocks. Uh, in some mocks. And, like, I know he's playing out of his gourd right now. I don't think anybody's going to question that. But I don't know, man. Well, well see, this is the know. thing. This is the thing. Do you think that it's – it's it, you know, not to take anything away from him whatsoever – um, he's no, incredibly let's preface talented that with player. everything yeah. that <laughs> I know that the things I'm saying are going to qualify as hate to some listeners. Let's preface this by saying all of this is not taking anything away. He's clearly the player of the year right now. No doubt about he's it. He's doing incredible stuff right now in college. That goes without saying. So now let's yeah. continue. Yeah. Yeah. Um, may, see, it's unfair to him to even say this, but. Is it a case of him going to? I mean, he's from Oklahoma. Um, sure. So you know, I think he's from Norman. So it's you know, it it's not like you know, Lon Kruger had to go across country to recruit him, and um, you know, the kid maybe I don't notice that he grew up an Oklahoma fan. I don't know it was his dream school, but he's there now. Um, but is it a case of Lon Kruger just getting the guy in and? just getting the hell out of his way because, you know, this kind of reminds me of kind of what Buddy Hill did at Oklahoma, where somebody who just an incredibly talented guard who Lon Kruger just took the reins off and said, just, you know, do what the hell you do. Now, would he have that same freedom at other schools and would he be putting up the same numbers? I don't know. But then again, sometimes it takes a coach like that to say, I know what I have here. I'm not going to hold him back as he goes. We shall go as a team. Right. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, worth pointing out, obviously, and again, this is not <laughs> this is not taking anything away. All right, you've, we've said it. We can start saying things that will sound like we're taking things away at this point because we've covered it. Uh, you know, shooting like nine for what, nine for 24 on the night. Uh, again, he made them when they counted. Uh, but if I recall, you know, the majority of his points – came came late am i right here or am i thinking of a different game i think i'm right here i, I watched the end of this game i, I right. he didn't make the big he didn't make the big shot i think mcgusty made the big shot mcgusty made the good big shot yeah 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 um but but young was uh, you know he takes ill-advised shots sometimes now they go in you know it's it's the whole steph curry thing like you know he can take a bad shot as long as it goes in and if it doesn't go in because he's made so many of them at this point People are like, oh, is that even a bad shot? Well, like, it may still be, right? You know, uh, 14 dimes is really good, but also seven turnovers on top of that. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, two to one. Again, there's nothing wrong with the two to one ratio at all. But, I, you know, obviously the defense isn't really there at all. Uh, doesn't, doesn't defend terribly well. Uh, you know, 180 pounds soaking wet. You know, 6'2", if, if you include the poof in the hair. Right. You know what I mean, like, and, and I doubt he's one eighty. Yeah, man. I uh, so like I, I, <laughs> I was I was just trying to get Mark to laugh, and I said he's he's basically at this point Eric Green with dimes. You know, yeah. just just and obviously that's a size, but like at the same time, Eric Green at Virginia Tech was doing like what twenty five, twenty six points a game, doing everything for that team. I think he won like ACC mm -hmm. Player of the Year that year. Now they weren't as good as Oklahoma is. Goes without saying, they were a lot. They weren't as well coached, you know. Maybe, uh, you know, 
people are saying Trey Young is really great, and he is. But, you know, there is also some talent on this Oklahoma team. I mean, McGusty can shoot. Uh, Christian James is a really good shooter. Uh, Brady Manick has been, has been making his shots as well. Uh, you know, you've obviously got uh, Latin down low who can do things down there. So, I mean, like, they've got, like, good supporting pieces around the star, and then they just play so damn fast. They play so many possessions. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I just don't really know whether one can keep up what he's doing. Obviously, I said that about Buddy Healed, and he sustained. Um... So maybe it is, maybe there's a Kruger, maybe he's got some special juice. I don't know. <laughs> but mm-hmm. it, it, it really is hard to wrap my mind around the fact that a month ago, Trey Young was a guy who, in a best-case scenario, is like a two- or three-and-done guy who, in, in the most uh, liberal projections, would be a late first-rounder. And now, um, after a month of basketball... I'm seeing him above Sexton in mocks. I'm seeing him top five in mocks. I saw him in a a top three in a mock. You know, I know teams want the next Steph Curry, and maybe he can be the next Steph Curry. But, you know, what are the odds that he could be the next – I'm going to say a name, and it's going to sound like hate, and I really don't mean that. Like, DJ Augustin. You know what I mean? Like somebody who – and, again, he's obviously way better in college than DJ was, but DJ was no slouch in college either. You know what I mean? Like, I just wonder whether he's going to come back down to earth. If he does it for an entire season, some team is going to take him top five, maybe top three in the NBA draft, regardless of what happens in the tournament. And and I, if I'm an NBA fan and I'm I'm sitting there with the number three pick and I'm looking at, like, you know, uh, Marvin Bagley or Trey Young – or if I'm looking at that uh, the Luka Doncic guy who everybody says is great, or Trey Young, right? You know uh, DeAndre Ayton or Trey Young. I mean, to me, those aren't those aren't choices. You know what I mean? But again, maybe if he, he keeps it up if all he's season. Still, if he's still averaging thirty and ten two months from now, yeah, he's gonna be a top five pick. I mean, 30 and – like, oh, God damn it. I can't believe I keep having to say, like, I know this sounds like hate. But they're also playing the fastest tempo, like, the third fastest offense in the country. You know, so they're getting more get possessions it. with the ball in his hand. Yeah, yeah. He's still insanely efficient <laughs> at that tempo. Again, I'm not trying to, like – but, you know, oh, man, I just don't know. Like, I, I keep wondering if it's a mirage. I keep wondering if it's I, a mirage. I, yeah, I, have to say I understand. I get it. And I and, and I kind of go back to the point I made earlier. Like, if he was at North Carolina, would he have the same green light? And would he be still sure. would he be putting these these similar type of numbers? If he was at Duke, would he have this you know this yeah. same green light? Would he be putting up these numbers? So I mean, he went to the right team. So yeah, I mean, is it you know something that's going to happen over the course of an entire season? It'll be damn tough to put up these type of numbers. Right. For the whole year, I get he's it. He's got like a, he's got like a 40 usage rate. They're having on offense 78 possessions a game. You know, so 40 percent of 78. I mean, like I'm no mathematician, but that's a lot of shots. That's it a is lot a lot of sh- him creating. You yes, know? And it is. Again, good, good on him. Good on yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. Took Landry Shamit to the house. So, yes. like, I've got respect. Never-ending respect. He's an unbelievable college player already. Yeah. Obviously, if they can win the Big 12 and beat Kansas for the first time in a billion years, that would mean a lot as well. That goes sure. without saying. Yep. Um, but, yeah, we'll see. I, I, I keep wondering. It's still early. But if February comes around, he's still doing this. Maybe I maybe I've got to stop thinking that it might that it might be a little miragey that it might not be a hot streak that it might just be that he's just that damn good and maybe he needs mm-hmm. to be drafted there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I had Trey Young as well and I spoke a lot so let's get to your second guy KB. Second guy will be Duke Ford Marvin Bagley thirty two points twenty one rebounds and the Blue Devils one hundred and ninety three win over Florida State. Yeah. Oh. I, I, this Duke team is going to turn my hair white by the end of the season, man. I tell you what, you know, I the defense is just 
I don't understand. Um, do you think it's just, I mean, this is a hypothetical. There's no way either of us can answer this. You feel like K might just, when it comes to defense, just be just so goddamn stubborn and like, and because uh, every year it's the same. It's the exact same problem every single year. At this point, you could write a book about what type of team is going to give Duke fits. If you got a guard that can penetrate, that's it, right? Like, that's mm-hmm. the thing. If you've got a quick guard that can blow by people, pick and roll, then guess what? You can beat Duke. Make a couple threes, keep doing that, Duke can be beat, right? Every single year. Now, obviously, the offense this year is really exceptional. they got some big guys down low. Maybe they don't need the defense to even be like that. But at the same time, I don't know when you've got that much length against a team like FSU that normally, now they shot the they shot the damn skin off the ball against Duke, second game in a row where I was watching a ACC team just take ridiculous contested shots from three and they went in. But at a certain point against teams that don't have a history of shooting the ball well, why wouldn't K just zone? Why doesn't he zone? He's got long. He's got Duval is long, right? He's got he he can throw in guys like Bagley, Carter, Delorier. Uh, you know, even Gary Trent's got great positional size. Uh, and and I know the problem with zone is always rebounding. Well, you got Bagley and Carter in there. You know what I mean? So even if rebounding is tougher uh, in the zone, you've got the best big men on the floor. So I just can't for the life of me understand, unless just the explanation is he's old school, he believes he's going to need to play good man defense eventually, so he wants to just use the entire season as a learning curve for March. But I feel like also he he understands the value of winning enough games to get a one seed in the tournament, the value of getting you know that that type of path. I don't know. I mean, uh, do you have any thoughts on this? Uh, Duke fans obviously wonder about Kay's defensive strategy over the last five, six seasons consistently. Maybe, uh, yeah, I, 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 you know, you would definitely know uh, better than me. Um, the theory that maybe he's just taking the the long-term approach to it, that, you know, you're going to learn how to play good man defense because, like you said, eventually we're going to need to be a good man team if we want to get where we need to go. Like, maybe that's a sound theory, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't really have a, an answer for you on that one, man. Yeah. I mean, if, if it'd be one thing if like they played man for the first 10, 15 minutes, saw it wasn't working, then played some zone, right? Now we're getting some man practice in, but we're also trying to win the game today. You know what I mean? Like the, then that seems to me to be striking more of a balance. I, he keeps doing my, my buddy, Nate, uh, insists that like he does the, the the tough pressure at the perimeter which is why these same types of players always beat duke because uh, press 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 the guys at the top of the perimeter in the half court and you know if they try and do a pick and roll send the big man up to try to create a trap to try to create a little havoc it's been the same for years now other teams understand what to do Right, Either you blow past the guy because he's playing too tight on you, way farther out than you need to, or if you play the pick and roll and the big man tries to cheat out, kick to the roller. That's why we've also seen guys like uh, Anis Mahmood and you know other like no-name dudes in the ACC go for like 30 and 15 against Duke because you can just, you can just run pick and roll. You can just roll. You know, just roll all game. So I... He's obviously, again, brilliant offensive mind, amazing recruiter, Hall of Famer, greatest of the modern era. But uh, these sorts of things are why in March there are so many people who are like, oh, Duke, you know, they'll, they'll fizzle out in March because it either wins you the championship because the team's defense clicks or it really doesn't and you don't have – the materials in your bag to win consistently against inferior opponents on a neutral court. Now I still take that trade <laughs> two championships, mm-hmm. every uh, seven, eight years. That's uh, I'll live with that. 
you know, but at the same time, that's that's why those opening round upsets happen. I, and if Duke didn't have Marvin Bagley, a shout out to all the Duke bloggers who, when Marvin Bagley was signed, they were like, oh, I'm concerned about how he's going to fit with the team. There might be too many mouths to feed. Those people can take a long ass seat somewhere because if Marvin Bagley wasn't on Duke this year, it would be a very, very different situation. He's an exceptional player. So I'm assuming you've, you've gotten to see him a few times or a couple times so far this season. Yeah. 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 Very impressive to say the least. Uh, let me throw out just because, uh, this is a name that always gets brought up with Bagley. DeAndre Ayton would be on my list. Uh, 23 points, 19 rebounds, three assists, a steal, three blocks, and the win at home over Arizona State. Uh, Arizona State, I only got to watch what I could see because of the goddamn Pac-12 network. Uh, Arizona State got it close at the end. They were on the road against Arizona and got it down to a two-point game with a minute 17. But then that last possession, Raleigh Alkins got the offensive board. They missed again, but then Aiton got the offensive tip back. You know, Remy Martin is a great player for Arizona State, but, like, what, what's he going to do against a guy as big as Aiton? Uh, not much, judging by that box score line. Um, you know, two questions here, KB. One is, uh, any thoughts on Aiton versus Bagley? Um... That's a damn good question. Uh, I don't know. I, I think when I look at Aiton, and I'm sure when I say this, somebody out there is going to write me a very angry tweet uh, <laughs> uh, saying that I'm completely off base here. But um, is DeAndre Aiton kind of what we maybe expected Greg Oden to be? I don't know. Just uh, as far as like his frame, wingspan, uh, being a two-way guy, very mobile, um, you know, somebody who has, I mean, defensive potential out of this world, but, you know, just a classic two-way big who can do it on both ends. Uh, and with Bagley, and I know there's been this little discussion about what is he in the pros, is he a four, is he a three? He's a fucking basketball player. Um, I think right. he, you know, he could be a four, I think he could be a three, I think he'd be whatever the hell he wants to be because he's that damn good. Um, as far as who I would take first in the draft, I would be hard pressed to pass up on somebody with Aiden's, uh, you know, size and, uh, what he could be three or four years down the line, but I don't think you can go wrong either one of them. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I saw that ringer piece where they were like, is Bagley a four or a five, which I thought was dumb. He's very obviously not a five. Um, right. you know, unless you're trying to play very small ball, spread it out, et cetera. In which case, sure, right? Um, yeah, Aiton's great. Uh, <laughs> I don't really have much to add in Aiton versus Bagley. They're both really good. Um, mm -hmm. And and both of them have the ability to, to step out and, and make some threes also, which I've been really impressed with the big men and how well they've shot. Bagley shoots, you know, decently there. Aiton shoots decently. Uh, Wendell Carter from Duke steps out and shoots some threes. Uh, I saw Mo Bamba in that Kansas-Texas game step out and make a three, and that and that looked pure. You know, uh, they still got some shooting issues, all of them, right? But uh, certainly I think Aiton has the best free throw shooting of the bunch, so maybe you're a little more bullish on his potential, you know, as a stretch guy if you want him to be that down the line. Um, yeah, I mean... And same thing that I said about Bagley and Duke, same thing for Arizona and Aiton, because I, he was getting lost early in the season a little bit mm -hmm. uh, on defense. He's figuring it out some now. Uh, obviously, this was also just a, a huge mismatch for him uh, to be playing against guys that are much, much smaller than him. But uh, if Arizona didn't have Aiton, they would just be up a gigantic creek at this moment. Um, they were looking up a creek early this season already with him. Oh, yeah. Now they got Alkins back. It's a little better. Uh, but, yeah, Aiton is such a game changer uh, for them. So, anyway, uh, who's your next guy, KB? Yeah, I had Aiton as well. So, I'm going to uh, Butler Four, Keelan Martin. He averaged 25 points and six assists in wins over Georgetown and Villanova. Yeah, I didn't get to see that Villanova game. It's sitting on my DVR. Did you get to watch that? I saw a little bit of it. Um 
yeah, people are trying to dissect what's wrong with Villanova. I don't think it's a big surprise. This is what happens when Villanova doesn't hit their outside shots. I think they took uh, 30-something threes in that game, didn't shoot a good percentage, and Butler shot the lights out. It, You know, that's what happens. That can happen. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I was impressed that Butler scored over 100. I mean, because uh, Villanova normally defensively, they can at least, even if their shots aren't falling, they can keep it interesting from a sheer defensive perspective. And Butler has not been traditionally the type of team that wants to play a fast enough tempo that they're going to score 100 points. You know, we don't see that terribly often, so I was impressed by that. Uh, I'm looking forward to the game. I saw my guy Kamar Baldwin had a pretty good game. Uh, I like him as a player a lot. Um, I, I'm really disappointed, as I'm sure Villanova fans probably are as well. Amari Spellman has not been as advertised so far this season, in my humble no. estimation. No, he hasn't. I think, I think a lot of people thought that last year he was the missing piece for when Ochefu left, that he was going to step in and be the shit, like right mm-hmm. away, a one-and-done guy uh, just killing it. And he's not that. Uh, and, you know, I, he certainly does not seem so far this season like the type of guy who could leave early. That goes without saying. Um, I, I think it's really important that people consider just across the board how hard it is for big men in particular to make the adjustment because – Point guards at least have the ball in their hands. You know, uh, we've seen a lot of point guards play real well so far this young season. Young, obviously, Sexton, uh, Tremont Waters. Uh, a lot of guys who, who are really impressive. Even Matt Coleman's looked pretty good for Texas. Duvall, obviously. But, but they've got the ball in their hands. They have more opportunities to do a lot more. You know, those high school bigs, it's just they can just dominate down low, grab a ball, dunk it, or lay it in. Right, like so. Now they have to actually fight for position against guys their size, guys their skill level, or better. Uh, they've got to have touch at the rim. They've got to work on their conditioning because it's just a whole different ball game from a conditioning perspective. So you know when you see guys who are five stars like Spellman, obviously Duke's had a couple in the past couple of years. Uh, you know I think unless it's a Bagley scenario or like an Aiton scenario. I think it's safe to like uh, lower expectations just a bit. Hope for a really strong like twenty minutes a game. Like hope for like what Tony Bradley gave UNC, right? Like hope for that sort of thing. I feel like that's a realistic expectation with young five-star bigs that are not like top three recruits in the country kind of deal. Mm-hmm. Do you, do you find that roughly to be true, or am I just? Yeah, for the most part. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah I, I find that to be the case. Um, I know uh, Maryland fans, you know, just a local example, they've been really impressed with Bruno Fernando. Now, he wasn't a five-star guy. I think he was sure. in, like, in the, you know, Tiger's a top 50 big, but they've been pleasantly surprised. But at the same time, Bruno Fernando is in incredible shape. Um, you know, he looks the part already of an NBA big in regards to his frame. Um, so I think sometimes, and, and I agree, and, you know, Spellman wasn't known as somebody who, um, had a, you know, prototypical, what you want, you know, physique out of a, out of a big, you know, that he's, you know, kind of soft, um, in regards to his physique. And he was, you know, people knew that it was going to be, you know, kind of a, a chore for him to get in tip top shape, the type of shape that Jay Wright would want him in, um, so he can get the, you know, hit the, hit the ground running and, you know, he still has a lot of work to do in regards to that. And I mean, you know, again, it's not somebody I saw a whole lot of in high school, but from everything that you read, it said the kid was just a dog and, you know, just, you know, eight rebounds for breakfast and just had, all, you know, every uh, skill you want around the basket. But he has a lot of work to do on his, on his conditioning. Now, whether or not that's still the case, we'll see. But, um, you know, you can have all the footwork and you can have all the, you know, the skill around the basket. But like you said, it's just, a different game in regards to the type of condition that you need to excel. And if you don't have that, yeah, it can be, it can be tough. Yeah. And conditioning uh, and uh, consistency too. I sure. Mean, uh, you know, a lot of guys, You when you look up and down the list of guys, you can see guys who will give you spurts, who will give you like decent minutes. Right. Um, but in terms of like being 
a guy, like a like a big guy. Uh, a lot of these guys aren't good. You know who is uh, also uh, sort of overachieving on that front who I've really liked what I've seen from him? Daniel Gafford at Arkansas mm-hmm. has been really spectacular so far this year. But, yeah, I mean, I look at a bunch of the other people and either I see, like, foul-prone could use better conditioning, could be dominant in a couple of years, but right now is merely pretty good to good, you know, uh, that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, anyway, mm-hmm. uh, my next guy, I'm excited to see that Villanova Butler game. That should be with a score like that. that will be a fun game to watch. Keep it in the uh, big East Chiron Cartwright Providence, uh, 21 points, three rebounds, 15 assists, four steals in the beat down of St. John's on the road. Uh, they were blown out by Creighton later in the week, largely because Cartwright aggravated an ankle injury. He only played a few minutes in the second half. Um, I, I'm just really impressed with him. I'm I'm pretty impressed with Providence in general. I mean, they we talk about it every year. They go under the radar every year, and every year they play well. Uh, I really like what I see out of Khalif Young. Uh, I've really liked his energy. Um. Obviously, the typical suspects are really good there. Um, you know, just a really solid game. But, yeah, Cartwright is really the straw that stirs the drink. And, you know, at St. John's, we've talked about it a couple of times. St. John's is a team that, when they're on, could really beat just about anybody. And for Cartwright to just crap in their mouths uh, is just really impressive to me. Mm-hmm. I agree. So, uh Who's who's left for you? Uh, my last guy is Virginia guard Ty Jerome. He scored thirty-one of Virginia's fifty-nine points, and then went over Boston College. Call Ty Jerome. <laughs> Call him. Um. Yeah, I, he's he's good. I like I, I think I like him more than Kyle Guy. I think Guy hmm. is the guy who had more hype coming in, but I don't know. I might like Jerome a little more. Wow. Hmm. I don't know. I haven't looked at their numbers at all. I might be just, like, absolutely blowing smoke here. Uh, but I, I I like both of them. They're a good pair. I, 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 think I think it's because – I think it's because of Kyle Guy's punchable face. You, you don't like guys that have punchable faces. That's, um, true. I'm a, that's, nah. that's true. That's true. That's true. But I want to see. I want to see what Virginia's numbers are. I'm. I'm. They can't be. They can't be that different. They can't be that different. No, I did not. No, I don't. No. Uh, yeah. Guy's shooting a lot more. He's scoring a lot more points. I get it. Right. Um. Maybe I like Jerome just more because uh, he strikes me as he, he's bigger. I think he's probably the better defender. Um. He may even be the better shooter, just at a at a lower volume. Um. Yeah, I, I like I like Jerome. They're they're a pretty good team. Obviously, that goes without saying. Although Boston College, let's give love to Boston College also for uh, nearly beating Virginia at John Paul Jones after they beat Duke. Uh, you know, I'm I'm looking at Kyle uh, Kai Bowman's score here: five points on two of ten shooting with one assist, five turnovers. Where was that against Duke? Come on, Kai Bowman. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had uh, I had two more names to mention. Uh, Andrew Rousey. Speaking of shooters, uh, thirty-five points, four rebounds, and one assist in the win at home over Georgetown. I got to watch that game. Um, man, Rousey down at the end. That that yeah, dude, I don't want to. He put he puts on a show. The the yeah. people uh, Marquette is one of those fun teams to watch because. They are shameless with what they are doing. <laughs> they are beyond shameless. Rousey and Howard are going to combine for 25 to 33 point attempts. They're not going to play any yeah. defense. They're going to run and gun, man. And when they're cooking, and Rousey and Howard are both tremendous shooters, when they're mm-hmm. cooking, it can be a lot of fun to watch. Obviously not as a fan of the opposing team, mind you, but when you're not uh, rooting against them, uh, very, very watchable basketball. Uh, I would be sweating my ass off every game if I'm a Marquette fan. But, uh, obviously it paid off uh, in that game. 
And then um, my last guy was uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander of Kentucky. 24 points, 5 rebounds, 4 assists, 3 steals in their beatdown of Louisville. Uh, I've heard people try to say that Kentucky-Louisville is the best rivalry in college basketball. Uh, look, I, when you've got a 30-point loss being hung on a dude Friday at lunch, come on, please. You think you think Duke UNC would have ever agreed to a Friday matinee? I don't think so. But regardless of that, Gilgis Alexander uh, was tremendous. Uh, I've been saying on this show since early in the season, I think he's really the key to what their ceiling can be because I think Quade Green is, is a very good college basketball player. But I think Gilgis Alexander has the higher ceiling. I think his penetration is, is really sensational. Uh, when he's cooking, he's hard to stop. I think he's the better uh, – he's certainly got the better defensive potential of the two. If he can just keep those turnovers down, um, which, he's, which he's done, and he's getting, he's getting better at that. I'm not sure whether it's going to be consistent yet. Uh, if he can consistently be better about his assist-to-turnover ratio, with him running the point, and uh, I, I think that's a really, really special uh, team in terms of potential, especially because Diallo is, is starting to shoot the ball a lot better as well. And if he can shoot the ball well, Kevin Knox continues to do what he does, and Gilgis Alexander can can run the point as like a 6-6 guy, uh, then that's a really, really tough sort of perimeter to deal with for opponents. So uh, if you do you have any strong feelings on any of these Kentucky guards? Um, I'm, I'm going to refrain from how I feel until March. <laughs> I'm going to give them a fair shot. Oh. I, don't, I, don't, I don't, yeah, I, I don't want to deal with my mentions. I don't want to deal with my mentions. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want I don't want to deal with my mentions tomorrow. I, I really don't. So I'm just gonna stay mum for now. I t- I told Huggy, our boy, I told Huggy Bear that I, I liked Gilgis Alexander. Uh and his his response was like, Well the great thing is that they're both great. And we can play both. <laughs> both terrific. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, you know what I'm saying? And he was like, Yeah, I know what you, uh, yeah, they're both terrific. Mm-hmm. I was like, Okay. Yeah. Just it's like playing tennis with a brick wall, baby. Yep. Yep. Uh, <laughs> what's up, Huggy? Um, hey, buddy. Your Elite Eight, KB, your top eight teams in the country. I hadn't even done this yet. Uh, uh, who will your top eight be? Uh, top eight would be at number eight, I got Wichita State. At seven, I have West Virginia. At six, Xavier. Five, Oklahoma. Four, Arizona State. Three Villanova, two Duke, and at one Michigan State. Let's see, number eight. Uh, yeah, I'll go Wichita State there. Uh, number seven. Oh boy, Hibley. Uh I'll go Oklahoma here. Uh, number six, Xavier. Number five, West Virginia. I uh, really like what they've been doing uh, since the A&M beat down in the first game and they get Asa Ahmad back not this week but the week after uh, which will definitely help them out for uh, Arizona State three Villanova two uh, people are going to call this homerism but look when it's down to one and two and Duke beat Michigan State neutral court without Marvin Bagley I'm going to put Michigan State at number two and I'm going to put Duke at number one yes Duke's loss is worse uh, that goes without saying. I understand why the polls are what they are. Uh, but, yeah, Duke, Mich- Duke beat Michigan State without Marvin Bagley. Uh, that, that's really all that I can say in terms of determining that. Uh, do you have an Ooh Child Award winner, KB? Yes, Ooh Child, as week goes to Arizona State for Romello White. Two points, eight rebounds, and five fouls, and then lost to Arizona. Yeah. <laughs> Arizona's got some got some dogs down low, man. Yep. Uh, Mayu Child, Manu Lecomte, Baylor. Three for 11, eight points, zero assists, three turnovers, and a blowout loss on the road to Texas Tech. We'll talk about Texas Tech more in a bit. I don't think that's necessarily a bad loss. But Baylor's whole season hinges on Lecomte, and I was very, very high on his potential as their point guard of the future. Yeah, three for 11 with zero assists and three turnovers. Come on, Manu. Pull it together. Uh, you got a Marshall Henderson Award winner this week, KB? 
Yes, uh, CSU Bakersfield guard. I assume his uh, name is pronounced Damien. It's spelled D-A-M-I-Y-N-E. Sure. Um, yeah, Damien Durham. I that thought I had seen every fucking Damon. spelling of Damien. Damien. It could be Damien. That might be Damien. 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 Yeah, it could be Damien. But what's yeah. the why doing? That's, what's that's the, the right. Trick. That that's why I think it's Damien. Damien. <laughs> uh, you know what? <laughs> Fuck it. I don't know. I'm I'm looking this. <laughs> he, he he wins the spelling D- award this week. D A M I Y N E. Yeah, I thought I had seen every fucking spelling of Damien, but <laughs> D A M I Y N E. Okay, I'm yeah. looking it up. I'm looking up pronunciation. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I probably should have did that my damn self. Yeah. No, it might not come up though. Sometimes these uh, the smaller teams don't have uh, the pronunciation guide. Oh wait, wait, wait. All right, I'm gonna load it while I talk about mine. Uh, I mentioned him in my uh, all-week first team. I'm also going to give him some Henderson love, some Andrew Rousey love this week, because in their loss to Xavier, he shot six for 17 from three. Now, that's not a bad outing by any stretch, but the fact that he's shooting the ball 17 times from distance uh, in a close loss, shooting around 33%, come on, Rousey. Pass the ball, Rousey. That's all we need. Uh, you are correct. It is Damien. Nicely done. Damien. Okay. Well, he was three for 12 on the field. Yeah, and they were all threes. Yeah. So. <laughs> and they were all threes. Yeah. Oh, man. His, his, his shot's more reckless than the spelling of his first name. Yep. Uh, do you have, I do not have one. Do you have a Farouk Manesh Award winner this week? I do. Um, and this, he's known, but, uh, Maybe there's somebody out there who hasn't heard of him. Walford guard, Fletcher McGee. Um, he had 21 points in that loss to UNC Greensboro. But for the season, he's averaging 24.5 points. And they're shooting 54% from three-point land. Uh, just somebody that plays at a, you know, I don't know if they are mid-major. But he's fun to watch and he can really play. So, Yeah, I mentioned uh, last week, who's the uh, who's their big man? The one who had a great game against... Uh... The one who had the great game against UNC, uh, Cameron Jackson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like him too. He was—he uh, definitely gave them fits down low. Uh, and I know you don't have a Zubek Award winner. I've got a Zubek Award winner, Isaiah Wilkins. Uh, eight points, 14 rebounds, two assists, a steal, and four blocks in the aforementioned narrow win at home over Boston College. Uh, let's go straight to our picks this week, KB. Florida at Texas A&M. Uh, I'm going A&M. Yeah, this was a tough one for me because A&M has struggled without DJ Hogue. They'll still be without him in this game. But Florida has definitely struggled on the inside, and that's where Texas A&M sort of makes their bed. Uh, I'm going to go A&M because it's at home, but uh, A&M without Hogue is definitely vulnerable. Texas Tech at Kansas. Uh, I'm going Kansas. I'm going to go Texas Tech. Onions. All right. This is, but they're ranked, so it's not really. Yeah, that's onions. But because, but because it's at Kansas, you know, yeah. it's, it's onion powder. You know, yeah. there's something there. Uh, they've got the best defense in the Big Twelve, and really, their only real vulnerability is they play a lot of bodies. They play intense defense, so they commit fouls and give up free throws. But Kansas doesn't draw free throws. They don't draw fouls because they're an exclusively jump shooting team. In that Texas game, I don't know if, if this stat is still true, but but it may be. Every team in the Big 12 has more made free throws than Kansas has attempted free throws this season. They are one of the worst teams in the league in terms of getting to the line, and that's how you beat Texas Tech's defense to some extent. When you combine that with the fact that Texas Tech has maybe the deepest bench in the country and Kansas has maybe the shallowest bench in the country, I know it's at Kansas, and uh, maybe some funny things happen... If the game is close, the whistles at the end, we've seen it happen, but uh, I like Texas Tech here. I like I like them for the upset. UNC at FSU. I'm going UNC. Yeah, I, I think 
this is pretty coin flippy for me just because it's on the road, but uh, I don't think they will be able to contain Luke May. Uh, if Marvin Bagley went for 32 and 21, uh, then I think May uh, and his admittedly superior outside shooting, uh, he'll definitely be able to do a lot. Uh, FSU's guards may make it interesting, though, because I'm not necessarily convinced at UNC's defense against them. But, yeah, uh, May should go off, and, and I lean UNC. Virginia at Virginia Tech. Uh, I'm going Virginia. I'm going Virginia Tech. Virginia uh, is always most vulnerable to teams who can shoot. Virginia Tech might still be the best three-point shooting team in the country. Virginia lost at Virginia Tech the last two seasons. I think that will continue. Uh, Kansas at TCU. I'm going with TCU. That's a good one. I, I toyed with it. Uh, I, I might like Kansas a little more here, especially if they lose at home. Then I definitely like it as a rebound game. I, I don't know that they have anybody to defend Brodzianski. I like him and what he can do. I mean, Azabuki can't defend him outside, and I don't know that they've got a body that can do the inside-out thing. I, I just don't know that they're as equipped to take away Kansas's jump shooting. Um I thought they did a pretty good job against Oklahoma forcing Trey Young to take crazy shots. But, I mean, ultimately, those shots were still going in. Uh, it's going to be a close one, but especially if they lose the first one, I like Kansas to rebound here. Uh, Oklahoma at West Virginia. This might, this might be the game of the week right here. I'm going Mountaineers. Yeah, uh, I'm going to go Mountaineers as well. I think if anybody's going to show that Trey Young is, is human – uh, then Javon Carter should be that guy. So that's going to be a phenomenal matchup against two prospective All-Americans. Kentucky at Tennessee, KB. I was tempted, but again, this is what my mentions <laughs> tomorrow. Uh, the mentions. Yeah, Kentucky. <laughs> I'm going to do it. I'm taking Tennessee. Yeah, it is. Huggy probably expected it coming because he's heard me talk about Tennessee every week on the show and how much I like Tennessee. So I don't think he's going to be too surprised that I'm taking this. Uh, took Arkansas on the road to overtime. Took UNC down to the very end on the road. Uh, I think that the Kentucky point guards need to have turnover-free games because Tennessee is going to really pressure their point guard play. And, you know, they have not been able to do that consistently, especially on the road. And the fact that Grant Williams is as versatile as he is, I love his talent. The fact that Tennessee shoots the three exceptionally well. And Kentucky, while they are definitely improving on the road, might find a little more trouble there. Uh, I like Tennessee's odds here. Uh, you know, if Yante Mayton did 17-12 and 12 against Kentucky at Rupp, I like Grant Williams to do at least that at home. The one place where I think Tennessee might be vulnerable and where Kentucky can absolutely win this game, the offensive glass. Tennessee is definitely vulnerable on the offensive glass. Kentucky, one of the better offensive rebounding teams in the country. If they win, it'll be because the point guards didn't turn the ball over and because they destroyed the offensive glass. Sorry, Huggy. Seton Hall at Butler. I'm going to go Hall. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go Seton Hall, too. Um, you know, Villanova couldn't hang with Butler on the glass, I noticed from the box score, that that played a big role, and, and Seton Hall definitely can hang with Butler on the glass. Uh, Xavier at Providence. I'm going go Xavier. Yeah, I'm not sure if Cartwright is, is healthy, uh, and so give me Xavier. If Cartwright's healthy, that's an interesting perspective onions pick there. I don't think they're ranked. Are they ranked? Uh, no. Yeah, I mean, th there's there's something interesting there, but uh, because I'm questioning his health, give me Xavier. UNC at Virginia. This has Virginia written all over it. Yeah, I, I agree, especially because Isaiah Wilkins can definitely contain Luke May in my estimation. So then it's about UNC's ability to shoot threes over the pack line and contain UVA's three-point shooting offense. Uh, yeah, I'm not convinced on the road that they can do that. Give me Virginia. Notre Dame at Syracuse. I'm going Cuse. We're, now, were you going Cuse because Bonzi Colson is out for eight weeks? Yes. Fair enough. Uh, here's why I was entertaining going Cuse even before that, KB. 
Do you know the last time Mike Bray beat Syracuse away from home? 2008. Very close, 2007. Okay. You, know, you, you would think that Notre Dame, because they can shoot, that they could shoot their way over the zone a little bit, that they move the ball well, they can shoot, that they could they're, they, they profile as the type of team that could beat Syracuse. And yet away from home, they really haven't in the last decade, including against some Syracuse teams that weren't as great. So, right. uh, yeah, uh, history scares me. With Colson, I might have said Notre Dame, but been very scared about it. But, yeah, especially without Colson, that's that's a nightmare. And, frankly, I, I don't know what they're going to do. Um, you know, Matt Farrell, TJ Gibbs, Rex Fluger. Uh, the, <laughs> Rex Fluger looks like one of those dudes in Animal House that told the Delta House to keep it down. <laughs> the pledge pin right he's that guy um they yeah, they keep they keep guys that look like that on their team like <laughs> yeah vestoria looks like the guy that was getting like his head dunked in the toilet but you know he uh, definitely uh, looks like the uh yeah. yeah the pledge pin guy from animal house um yeah i mean they're gonna need a lot from dj harvey right away and i, I haven't seen it so yeah uh, FSU at Miami. Uh, Canes. Yeah, uh, you know, if I'm FSU, I zone the shit out of them, and and I and I hope Miami's not hitting just to avoid Huel doing what Huel's gonna want to do. Um, but yeah, especially at Miami, I'm gonna take Miami here. Uh, SMU at Cincinnati. Attempted, I'm gonna go Cincinnati though. Yeah, I'm gonna go Cincinnati as well. Any onions picks this week, KB? I'm gonna take a stab at Houston over Wichita State. Ooh, okay. Is that at Houston or is that at Wichita State? I think it's at Wichita. Ooh, buddy, I like I, I like the onions on that pick. Uh, let's see. I already picked Virginia Tech over Virginia. That's sort of a minor one. Uh, I like Boston College over Clemson. Uh, Clemson okay. now in the top twenty-five again little minor league but it counts uh and then two that people should have their eye on that i'm not going to be bold enough to take but if you're a gambler in particular utah against arizona state at home uh you brushing your teeth <laughs> no nah, i got a little something on my laptop no. <laughs> yeah. yeah my bad this damn mic picks no, up everything all right i'd like to start brushing your teeth um uh, yeah, Utah's got a big man down low, uh, and again, Arizona State's main problem can be size. Uh, Utah can get hot. Uh, I, I don't know that they've got the guns to deal with Arizona State. I haven't been overly impressed with Utah. But again, if you're looking for a team that might give Arizona State some issue, look for skilled big men. Uh, I definitely think that that's going to be uh, crucial to beating Arizona State this year. And then finally, I hate to say it, if you're a gambler, you might want to take NC State over Duke. Mm. You might want to take it because I tell you what, especially with what Kevin Keats wants to do, he's going to run fast. He's going to have those guards penetrating like shit. They're going to run, run, run. They're going to penetrate, penetrate, penetrate. It's at State, uh, you know, where Duke has had some trouble in years past. Um, I, 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 look, if you're asking me do I think NC State's going to win outright – no, but as a Duke fan, I'm I'm definitely scared. Uh, I'm going to leverage my pain and bet on NC State to win because the odds are going to be tremendous. And then at least if Duke loses, I'll like pocket a cool two hundred bucks. Um, yeah, the uh, on the road against State, most Duke fans had penciled this one in as the sort of bullshit game that Duke tends to lose. So I'm not saying it's going to happen, but if you want to be the big onions guy. That's where you put hmm. your money. Uh, what's the spread going to be? Ten? That's my guess. I'm going to see what Ken Palm has it at. Ken Palm has the Duke UNC spread, uh, NC State spread at ten. I would take NC State plus ten in a heartbeat in this game. It will be close. It will absolutely be close. Even if Duke wins, it'll be close. So there you go. Uh, anything else to add, KB? Before we wrap it up. 
yeah, we need to beat DePaul. So that's about it. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, yeah. buddy. Yeah. Did you hear the? That's uh, it. Did you? Did you hear the rumor that Jordan Tucker may be heading to Georgetown? I did hear that rumor. I did hear that. Um, it, I have a little bit of concern that so many of the teams that were uh, finalists for him uh, are now seemingly not interested. Uh, teams like, well, of course, he couldn't transfer in conference unless he was lose an entire year. He couldn't go to Syracuse, but there are other teams like, for example, St. John's apparently isn't interested in Jordan Tucker. And... Mm. St. John should be interested in Jordan Tucker. Maybe they you know? just maybe they've just got the personnel at this point, and maybe like Tucker obviously wants to to get heavy minutes right away. But like St. John's has a very young backcourt, like they're they're pretty covered in that regard. Yeah, but even still, you would think that a program like that would, you know, have room for someone like him. Do you think it's do you think it's they're not interested or that they know what he's looking for and they're just not going to bother? I, I I don't know for sure. It just seems like they're just not interested. Th- that that's what I'm getting. I could be completely off on that, but sure. that's what I'm hearing. Like we're good. Yeah, he made pretty explicit in his comments, which I honestly thought weren't that bad. That he was just like, look. Uh, I want to play for a team where I contribute right away, and th- and that's not Duke right now. You know, mm-hmm. I, I totally respect that and understand it, and I don't think anybody. I mean, people are begrudging him that, obviously, but uh, you know, mocking him for it. But look, he he came to Duke and he thought uh, he was better than Alex O'Connell, and he's not. And so he's looking at next year. Alex O'Connell will be starting next year. Tucker will be off the bench again, and they're bringing in Reddish, and they're bringing mm-hmm. in Barrett. They mm-hmm. could bring in Zion, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so I don't blame him for leaving at all, uh, and I certainly don't blame him for trying to get minutes if he's trying to go pro on the early side. I just know, as somebody who's seen every minute he's played in a Duke uniform, that he is not ready for that. I've had some Syracuse right. fans tell me that they think he would start for Syracuse today. Uh, if he had come to Syracuse, and I vehemently disagree with that assertion. I do not think he would start for Syracuse today. Do I think he'd get minutes? Yeah, sure. Sure. I do not think he would start for Syracuse. I think he'd be like 7th, 8th in the rotation. Because he was bad, real bad Michael Jackson in Mm. a Duke uniform. Sadly, I was rooting for him in a big way. I still think if he had stayed... He would have gotten some good minutes next year, sort of the Quinn Cook path, right? You know, uh, right, climb the right. ladder a little bit. But he wants to play right away. I respect it. Um, and certainly Georgetown, they could use, they could use some backcourt love. Yeah, we need a, we need some ball. We need some. We need a point guard. That's what they need. But. I will. I will say that this is not going to comfort you at all. With the caveat that I'm going to mention afterward. Tucker did look like when he was in that he was handling the ball, that they, that he wanted to be like what what like Benajay was for Syracuse, right? Like sort of a, a a wing who has a lot of ball handling skills, looks to be a playmaker. That having been said, uh, he was tremendously turnover prone. <laughs> so okay, that, that would not help uh, Georgetown's problem. at all at all at all. They've got they've got that already. They're right good on that. Yeah, we got that in spades, yeah, actually. Yeah. So, yeah. but 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 again, there's potential there for sure. Um, I'll, I'll be interested to see where he decides to go. So, so if he transfers out of conference, he can play at the start of next season. I, I believe he 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 would be uh, he would be eligible after the first semester next year. But I think that if he transfers in uh, conference next year, is completely out. Got it. Understood. Um. Yeah, and he definitely does not seem he he seems like he wants to go now. Like that definitely seems to be the the Yeah, uh, and he's given off. Right, and if he it does end up at Georgetown, classes think a start I think uh the tenth of this month, so we would know fairly soon. Um oh, sure. yeah, if he's coming here. So yeah. I did think his timing was was pretty clear that he that he wanted to sign somewhere new right away and right. try to go for right. that. Yeah, for sure. Right. Yep. Uh great. 
Great, KB. We'll tell the good people where they can find you. Uh, they can find me on the Five Starter Podcast. Um, comes out every Thursday morning. That's at Hot Five Starter on Twitter and at KBads on Twitter, K-B-A-D-D-S. And you can find a podcast wherever you listen to podcasts on TuneIn, on uh, wherever, at Hot Five Starter. So, yeah. Excellent. I am Russell H. Film on Twitter. Uh, you know, I just posted something today, KB. Uh, I, I know you, you, you and the Five Starter guys, you, you get into it about the uh, the superhero movies. I yeah. know there's some, uh, there's some Anthony Mackie, uh, Chadwick Boseman uh, mm-hmm. agenda. Mm-hmm. Uh, re- remind me who's on which side now. I I am on the Chadwick Boseman side, and I actually think that uh, Huggy is on my side as well. I, I don't know if he's necessarily on my side. As no, he doesn't. He's not a really big Anthony Mackie guy. Sure. Um, and Bob and Bob is on and Bob's on the Anthony Mackie side. <laughs> of course. Uh, right. Yeah, I made a bet with a guy today on uh, on Facebook. There was a guy who uh, was saying Black Panther is going to be the lowest uh, grossing Marvel movie. Shit. And I, 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 I said to him, I said, I bet you $100. I was trying to play it like I would have said 1000 but then I thought like he would have been like, shit, I made a mistake. So I tried to like low play right. it a little bit. I was like, I bet you uh-huh. $100. And so he came back with that like, well, you can't count like the Spider-Man from 1980 or anything. Like it's got to be like last three years. I was like, okay, last three it. years. How about well, how about since Iron Man? The first Iron Man was kind of seen as like last, the rebirth he of the Marvel. Wanted to do, he wanted to backpedal all the way, so he did last three years. I said, all right, last three years. It will not be the lowest-grossing Marvel movie the last three years. Hundred dollars, and he was like, well, you know, we got to adjust for inflation. Like, oh, get the, the fuck out of here. And so we adjusted for inflation. I said, okay, guess what? I adjusted it for inflation. I still will make that bet. I was like, $180 million is what Ant-Man made domestically. Black Panther will make more than $180 million at the domestic box office. I was like, make this There's bet no doubt right about now. It. Or do you want to make more concessions and the contingencies and whatever? And so he took, he took the bet. So, uh... Yeah, it opens February sixteenth. I expect to have that hundo by March. Yeah, yeah. It it won't take long. Yeah, it's definitely gonna make money. Yeah. Um. So yeah, uh, the Bozeman, the Bozeman Collective. I'm I'm betting hard on Bozeman for this. So so I'm I'm on Team Bozeman for this. Team Bozeman for All this right. agenda. Yes. Welcome. Absolutely. Welcome. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I've been on I've been on Bozeman since. Uh, I mean, forty-two was good, but after the James Brown movie, he, he was exceptional in that. That was he was fantastic. So I've been I've been yep. all Bozeman since then. Yeah. Um, I, and I'm I still remember Anthony Mackie playing Tupac in the uh, Notorious movie. Whatever. Don't get me started. <laughs> that Please. was that was shameless bait. That was just shameless bait. Yeah. Um. Uh. Anyway, so the Long and Late Movie Show is our uh, movie podcast. You can give us a listen. We're iTunes, Stitcher, Radio. Google Play, Twitter.com slash L&L Movie Show. Check us out there. Uh, and, yeah, I'm Russell H. Film, anywhere you can find us. And just to put it out there, if there are any beer drinkers uh, in our listening group, I now have a beer Instagram because when you are white and you have a beard, you're required to have a beer Instagram. Hmm. So now I have one, uh, Russell H. Beer. So if you'd like to see what beer uh, I am drinking – uh, then you can follow that. Uh, I am going to Denver uh, next, not this coming weekend, but the weekend after. Lord knows I'm going to be drinking a whole lot of beer there. So uh, so give me a look. Uh, this podcast seconds the number two madness on Twitter. We're on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play. Uh, thank you to everybody who uh, leaves us iTunes reviews. Please keep leaving iTunes reviews. If you have not left one, please leave one. Uh, it helps with our visibility. We greatly appreciate it. Uh, thank you to everybody on Reddit who gives us love on a consistent basis. We really appreciate that as well. And uh, thank you to you, KB, for joining. Appreciate it, bro. I was trying to remember. There was a UNC. There's a UNC fan, Riley, uh, and he's one of the he's one of the reasonable ones. He's not the one that just like sends me like gifts of Roy Williams every day for no reason. Okay. He he actually you know contributes to a conversation. 
And uh, God damn, he made a – I was talking with him the other day. This is the worst postscript to this podcast ever because I don't remember what it was, but I was going to bring it up on the show. Riley, whatever we were talking about last time we interacted on Twitter, remind me, and I'll bring it up next week, okay? Because that's what we do on 2.1 Seconds Madness. We engage. We interact. So tweet at us. Let us know what you think. Uh, so for KB, for myself, Russell Hainline, this has been another 2.1 Seconds of Madness. Happy 2018, everybody, and good night. You know my days. Let them know. Do your thing, dog. Keep it live. You know my days.